0: is a risky business, so are texts and tweets. And that's because we use words. Words we use can help or they can hurt. They can do good or they can do bad. Words have tremendous power. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 21:23 says, "He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity." When we talk today about the tongue, we're talking about all uses of words for communication. They didn't have email and texts and tweets in Bible days that we know of, but we are addressing the words the, the use of words or. The concept of communication, the act of communication. These are not physical actions like touching, hitting, or hand gestures, just words. Our tongue, defined as speech or verbalized thought, is very powerful and very dangerous. It's a risky business. Now, we're going to take a a week or two away from our series. We've been looking at the life of Jesus the, a love story in the world in a world at war. we're going to look at a passage from the Book of James today. And if we look at the Book of James, we discover that faith, without words or deeds is dead or it's useless, and that deeds are more than just actions. Deeds include words or speech. And that would today include email and texts and tweets. This is one of the most important passages in the entire book of James. And perhaps one that should be preached once a year, at least, in every church. Today, risky business. The tongue, thumbs, text, tweets, and other dangers. Let's turn to James 3. It's on page 978 in the Bible in the rack in front of you. James 3, starting with verse 1. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, both birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea, are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James starts here by talking about the risks of teaching. Maybe you didn't think about teaching as such a risk. But in the first century church, people were lining up to be teachers. They wanted to teach. In the Jewish tradition out of which the church grew, teachers were called rabbi, and they were greatly respected and admired. And because of this, evidently, the early church was filled with a bunch of teacher wannabes. That's why we're considering giving Sunday school teachers the title rabbi, so we can get more teachers to participate. Sounds like a good idea. Well, in the early church, this was more of a power and influence trip. So James says, teaching is a risky Business. Now, why did he say that? Because you talk. You use words. You use speech when you teach. And speaking is risky business. Why? First of all, he says, Teachers, letter A, teachers will be judged more strictly. Now, it's one thing to hold a truth or opinion personally, it's quite another to pass that along and influence other people with your talking or tweeting or whatever you're doing. Everybody wants to be followed by other people. And that's no difference. Everybody who's on Twitter wants as many followers as they can get so that they can have that influence. James says, be careful. He says, you will be judged more strictly with a higher standard. We have to be careful of a couple of things. First of all, teaching our own opinions or prejudices and not the truth, not pure truth or the word of God. Or contradicting our teaching by our life. Someone once said, I can't hear what you're saying because of what you're doing. Huh? If we speak it, we better do it, or our kids will call us out. We don't know that happens. Risky business. Why is teaching risky? Secondly, because we all sin. Verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. We will never be able to perfectly practice what we preach. Okay? We like to tell people what the truth is, teach our kids. Teach our grandkids, we'll never be able to perfectly practice what we preach. Why? Because our mouth gets us into trouble. It says if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. So our words, what comes out, are indicators of what's really inside of us. Do you want to be a teacher? Not so fast. It's dangerous. It's risky. Why is it risky? Let's look at the risks of the tongue. Number two, the risks of the tongue. First of all, the tongue, as James describes it, is an instrument of awesome energy and influence. In verse five in the message, it expands it a little bit. It says, a word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. Then James gives us three examples of the power of speech. Three examples. The first one is a bit in the horse's mouth. How many of you have ridden a horse? Anybody ridden a horse? Some of you have horses? Okay. Now, I'm not talking about a pony at the fair or one of those, uh, those trail horses that just follows the horse in front of them, you know, where the scenery never changes. They just look at the horse in front of them. I'm talking about a real horse on a range ride or free ride. Now, how many of you have done that? Okay, just about as many as you. Okay, that's good. Good to know. You have reins that are attached to a bit in the horse's mouth. And what's the overriding principle in riding a horse? The body follows the mouth. Right? The body follows the mouth. If you can control the bit, you can direct the horse right, left, you can speed up, you can slow down, or you can stop. That's, of course, theory, of course. As I've discovered, sometimes they don't do what I tell them to do, but maybe you're better at it than I am. So we can see the principle is the body follows the mouth. Control your mouth and your body will follow. Now you can see we're all in trouble. Okay? Matthew twelve thirty-four through 37 says, For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. What does it say? Whatever is inside of us comes out in the form of speech and our body follows. If we could just control our mouth, we could control our whole body and the whole course of our life. There was a sitcom who played off the steam when someone accused his friend of, of complaining, and he said, "How did you know I was complaining?" He said, "Because your lips were moving." He knew him well. This is really risky business. Now the second illustration that shows how powerful the tongue is, a ship's rudder, a ship's rudder. Now I've done a fair amount of boating, usually power boating because I don't see much sense in just sitting there and relaxing and waiting for the winds to come and go. I want to get there, okay? That's just me. Some people love that. But I've also sailed. And in one particular time, I was in a small sailboat and we were having trouble with the rudder in the back and we couldn't attach the rudder to the back of it. And I want you to know when you don't have a rudder on the back of a sailboat, you can't control anything. It's totally out of control. Well, James says that even though a ship is huge and the winds are blowing very strongly, a little tiny pressure on a tiny rudder directs it wherever the pilot wants to go. Now, the intention of the pilot is everything. Where does the pilot intend for the ship to go? And this points to our intentions and our motives for our words. What are we trying to accomplish? Our will directs our our tongue, our our texts, our tweets, or Facebook posts. And so much is revealed by what we say. The question all of us must ask is, what kind of impact do my words have? This last week, you may have seen in the news, the Hall of Fame baseball player, Curt Schilling, posted a comment on Facebook It was his opinion. You can agree or disagree, but because it wasn't politically correct, he was fired by ESPN as a commentator. So much for valid opinions and free speech. That's true. But the lesson is clear. Firm control of our speech is essential, and our words will direct our lives. Remember, James told us already, none of us is perfect. Okay? Talking, texting, posting, tweeting are all risky business. Now, the third illustration that James uses, one we're probably most familiar with, is fire. Fire. The first two, the bit and the rudder, seem to point out direction, either positive direction or negative direction, and responsibility. We are responsible for the bit and the rudder, the positive or the negative, as our words go out. It's still risky, but fire? Fire is very, very dangerous. Verses five through six, it says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell itself. Verse 5 contrasts the small and the great. The tongue is small, but it has incredibly great effects. A spark is small, but it has great effects. And who, who of us here have not observed the, the, the results or consequences of just a small spark or, or fire? Just something left burning by a, a careless camper, or somebody throws a cigarette butt out the window and starts a fire. It's small, it's no big deal, is it? Well... It is a big deal. At nine o'clock on Sunday evening October 8, 1871 poor Mrs. O'Leary's cow kicked over the lantern as she was being milked starting the great Chicago fire which destroyed three and a half miles of the city burning over 17,000 buildings, costing 250 lives. It was just a lantern kicked by a cow. Seems insignificant. One single careless word. Small can be powerful and destructive. Light a match, burn a forest. Say a word, destroy a life it's in our hands this is risky business it says the, the tongue is a fire it doesn't say the tongue is like a fire it says the tongue is a fire it's unstoppable have you ever tried to stop a rumor have you ever tried to stop a rumor it's been out there there were four men who decided to hold an accountability group to confess their sins and hold each other into account In their first meeting, the first one confessed, he said, I have a problem with with lust and I need prayer for my problem. The second one said he had a real problem with anger and his temper. The third man said to the group, I wrestle with greed and I've been pilfering money at work. And the fourth man said, I have a problem with gossip and I can't wait to get out of here. (laughs) Gossip. A rumor. How many of you have played the telephone game? Okay. Okay telephone game basically you get in a circle and the first person whispers something in the person's ear next to them and then they whisper back and forth it has to be in a quiet room and you have to whisper it and goes around the circle and at the end you have the person say what they heard and you compare that to the original statement and it's not even close it's not even the same universe it's like in a parallel universe gossip does that and let me tell you something Some of you in this room are practicing the telephone game in real life because you're gossiping. Passing on things that are you don't know if they're true, part true, half true. We don't know. We'll talk more about that later. It says the tongue is a fire. It says the tongue is a world of evil among the parts of the body. And this means that the tongue expresses all the evil character traits of our fallen world And our evil nature whether it's covetousness or idolatry or blasphemy lust or greed name the evil and we find that our tongue expresses it the tongue defiles the entire body the tongue can defile the whole body of believers a local church it wreaks havoc. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of his life on fire. It says it is set on fire by hell itself. Our tongue can be so evil that the uncontrolled tongue has a direct pipeline to hell. That's what he says. Now last week I was, I was in the sauna after my swim workout at Gold's Gym and I struck up a conversation with a guy in there and after a few, a few minutes, he asked me, he said, so what brought you to Eau Claire? And I said, well, I, I accepted a pastorate here. And he said, oh, you're a pastor then? I said, yes. And he said, well, I should probably apologize for my language. I use the word hell. And then he said, looking at me, he said, of course, you probably use that word all the time. <laughs> I said, yes, I do. I don't like to, but I do. Risky business, the tongue, has a direct pipeline to hell. So it's an instrument of awesome energy and influence. Second, the tongue is an instrument that indicates the quality of our discipleship. In other words, where are we on our faith journey? Where are we on our faith journey? How real is our faith? Our tongue will tell. The way we use our tongue will tell you how mature we are. It demonstrates, first of all, our immaturity. Immaturity. Matthew, James 1.26 says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Matthew 12.37, For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. This could be two different persons. One who professes Christianity but has no control of their tongue. Those who speak ill of others. I have a sister-in-law whose name is Lorna. Lorna grew up totally non-Christian home, no residual Christianity, no concept of anything. And she married Judy's brother, who was at that point not living for the Lord either. And I had the opportunity. We had known that for a long time. In fact, her brother was really mad that she married a pastor. You know, but he eventually got over it. He thought I was okay but i had the opportunity about 10 years after we first met to lead lorna to faith in christ it was a it was an awesome opportunity and she came to faith in christ and her language had been salty and she was i mean she was just what you would consider the 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 epitome of someone who didn't practice religion or christianity or whatever she changed transformed i mean it was amazing to see the change in lorna and she knew intuitively that she needed to find a body of believers, a, a church. So she did. She went out and found a church, found a good Bible-preaching church. Her brother, Judy's brother, still did not go, but he said, you can go to church, that's fine. So she went to church. Life changed. About four years later, we were down on a holiday, taking some time during Christmas, and I, I asked Lauren, I said, How, how's your church doing? How's your faith? And she said, I don't go anymore. I said, what? I said, why aren't you going to church? She said, I left. She said, I got tired of people speaking bad about the pastor. She reverted. It could have been about the pastor. It could have been about another person. It could have been anybody. But she, as a new believer, saw Christians, professing Christians who were using their tongue destructively. And you know what? It affected her dramatically. Our words have power. They have power. Gossip. Were those critical people? Christians, probably. Were they immature? Probably. Destructive? Absolutely. Professing Christians with contradictory behavior. Then we have one whose religious experience is just Strictly verbal. A professing Christian that experiences no life change. Immature Christians. Our use of the tongue will demonstrate our level of spiritual maturity. Or it can demonstrate maturity. James 3.2 says, If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. Perfect means mature or grown up. Grown up spiritually. Now, all of us are going to be on that scale somewhere between immature and mature. We know that we don't get entirely sanctified until we die and go to heaven, okay? There's going to be... We're, going to, we're on a journey. We're not perfect. But it, it's very important to ask, which, where am I on this? But it's more important to say, which way am I moving? Which way am I growing? Am I getting more Christ-like? Am I growing in my control of using my tongue? In my critical spirit, am I growing closer to Jesus? Thirdly, the tongue is an instrument that must be used very carefully. Carefully. Verse 7 says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We've been able to tame or make useful almost every wild creature. But no one in their own effort has been able to tame the tongue. Humanly speaking, controlling the tongue is impossible. That's why, people, we desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. We desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit. I know some people are really comfortable talking about God the Father and Jesus the Son. But the Holy Spirit, that's kind of spooky. It's the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit indwells you if you've asked Jesus to into your life. And that is the power source. He is the power source that can help you control your tongue. We really need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now what are some prohibitions for the tongue? The do-nots. First one is gossip. Gossip is one of the most destructive forces in the entire church. Sometimes gossip is true, but is it good? Is it constructive? Is it positive? In other words, are we passing on something that is going to be negative? Frangipan, in one of his writings, talks about slander. He said a short definition of the word devil is slanderer. Yet literally speaking, the word refers to one who puts himself or something between two in order to divide them. Satan's goal is not just to speak evil, but to divide spouse from spouse, children from parents, race from race, Christian from Christian. And he will use anything to bring slander. Slander, saying anything negative that brings division. Saying something negative about someone will bring division. And let me tell you something, in 1 Corinthians 6, slanderers are included with all the other lists of sin of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Addressing gossips, I have said to them, you are slandering the body of Christ, you're slandering your brothers and sisters, you're slandering people you are putting at risk your eternal destiny. And I would be remiss if I did not warn you and say, you may go to hell for that unless you repent and stop. I didn't say it. The Bible says it. Our eternal destiny is at stake. I preached this message at our church in Lakewood, Washington, and one family became angry and left the church because I was, thought I was preaching at them. I, I didn't know they were gossiping. But let me tell you something. I said, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to all of us. We all have an issue with our tongue. It's not just one or the other. It's just not preaching one way. I have to absorb this sermon and, and, and preach it to me before I bring it to you. This is a common problem with every single person. Gossip is incredibly destructive. Jim Simbola, the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, said this, and I'm paraphrasing his quote. He said, if you come to this church and are an alcoholic or addicted to drugs, we will welcome you with open arms, pray for your healing and deliverance. If you are a prostitute, we will open our arms and declare God's forgiveness and redemption. If you are a thief or murderer or ex-con, we will accept you, tell you how Jesus came to forgive sinners. But if you are part of this church and you are a gossip, we will hunt you down, confront your sin, and throw you out of the church. Why would he do that? Because gossip destroys lives. Gossip destroys churches. Destructive, and air, it's a flame that burns and burns and burns. Gossip is from the pit of hell. There are a lot of prohibitions that we can talk about in the tongue innuendo, which is an implication or suggestion, casting doubts or raising questions of another's character, flattery, which would be insincere compliments or manipulation for our benefit. It could be criticism. Did you know that Eau Claire Wesleyan Church is not a perfect church? Now, if you didn't know that before today, now we all know it. We're, all, we're, not, we're not a perfect church. But you also know that not one problem has ever been solved by criticism. I've, I've never known a problem that is solved by criticism. Critical thinking, yeah. yeah, We need to, we need to have strategic examination, yes, but not Criticism. Criticism is standing back in a spectator role, finding fault without offering positive solutions or being part of a positive solution. Tearing down, not building up. Then there's blasphemy, which is speech against God. Prohibitions. We could could list many, many issues of the tongue here. The don'ts. But what then are we supposed to do with our speech? Number two is exhortations which is blessings. How can we lift people up and bless people spiritually? Speak positively, speak well of, speak good of, staying positive. I know a few people, and there are very few, that whenever I see them, they pay me a compliment. They just find something good. They'll say, have you lost weight? Or they'll say, um, I like what you did with, your, with that tie or, or um They'll find something to say good about me. And I'm I'm kind of taken aback because then I have to feel like I have to reciprocate and I'm trying to find, you know, because some people, it's just part of their nature. They just say positive things. We are called to say positive things about each other and others. We live in a world of put-downs. All the humor on television is sarcasm. You look at sitcoms, it's all sarcasm, deriding people, making fun of people. Sarcasm, it's part of our culture. And you deal with it all week because you're out there. Well, let's counterculture the culture. At church, let's bless one another. Let's bless one another at home, at work, at school, and practice blessing people. Positive thinking and positive words. Closely related is praising. Praising God, yes, praising people. How can we build people up? How can we build people up? We're going to see, and we're going to see this tonight as, as we're at, um, in our meeting. We did a survey called Natural Church Development, where you, the people of this church, key people in this church, 30 of them, evaluated different areas of this church ministry. And some of the scores were very low. One of those was Loving Relationships. Loving relationships. You can't have loving relationships in a toxic, unhealthy, negative gossip environment. You can't have a loving relationships. There's no trust. This is your evaluation, it's not mine. We have work to do, we have a lot of work to do. The final illustration, verses 10 through 12. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear? Neither can salt water produce, uh, a salt spring produce fresh water. Whatever's inside of us is going to come out. I've used this illustration. Somebody asked me once, what, what, what happens when you squeeze a lemon? What happens, you take a lemon and you squeeze it. What, what, what comes out? And my answer was, lemon juice and the answer was no whatever's inside that lemon comes out what comes out of you when you get squeezed you know we get squeezed every day we have people that do things to us we don't get our way in this that or the other thing what what comes out of us when we're squeezed words attitudes actions is it praising or cursing it's like the salt water and fresh water I'll never forget I was traveling with a group across the western part of the United States. We, we went to see the Great Salt Lake. How many of you have been to the Great Salt Lake in Utah? Yeah, it's, it's, it's this huge, huge lake. It looks like this ocean almost. And I thought, great, it was a hot day. It was like 90 degrees. And I put my swimsuit on. I ran ran out into the water and dived in. Wrong thing to do. The salt was so strong, it stung my eyes. And I'm going, oh, nobody warned me. Salt water. There is no way you can make that lake fresh. It's salty. And there is the contrast between salt and fresh. And he said a salt spring is going to produce salt. Fresh water is fresh water. What comes out of us when we get squeezed? What what kind of words come out of us? Let's look at guidelines very quickly. Guidelines for tongue use. Letter A. Talk directly to the party involved. Don't talk about someone, talk to them. If you speak to someone else, it's gossip. If I have a problem over here, I don't talk to this person. I talk to them. And if I do speak about someone who's absent, imagine that person present. Imagine that person is present. If you have to discuss someone, imagine that person is sitting right there. It's amazed how positive and objective you become when you imagine that that person is sitting right there. You're going to notice one of the values, and we're still in a draft mode, in our values statement draft. It's going to be in the annual report as you get it, as you leave. And that is loyalty to the absent. Loyalty to the absent, which means I pledge... Not to say anything negative or tear anybody down. Loyalty, whether they're here or not. Loyalty to the absent. We'll talk more about that later. Letter C, always be constructive, not destructive. Are my words building up? Are they having a positive impact? Are they putting people in the best light or the worst light? Letter D, don't spiritualize gossip. This is one of the biggest issues in the church. I have this prayer concern. Will you join with me in prayer about so-and-so? Many a a, a spark starting a fire started in a prayer chain or a prayer meeting. People, get real, would you? Don't spiritualize it. And letter E, give it over to God. Only in God's power, by his Holy Spirit, can we use our words positively, we need to be changed daily, constantly, moment by moment, by the Holy Spirit. And finally, if you've been engaged in this behavior, a risky business like this, repent. By repent, that means you say, I did it, I'm sorry, deliver me, forgive me, and don't let me do this again. We have people from this church who have made a, a change. There, there are valid reasons for making a change from one church to another. What disturbs me is I'm getting reports from at least two churches and pastors that our people that left here are gossiping over there. What kind of a legacy are we leaving? Eau Claire Wesleyan Church. That can change. It starts with the heart. It starts with the heart. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you by your spirit would change our hearts. Start with me, God. That we would not participate in anything that tears down, but that we would build up. People are going to hell, God, and we are busy chattering and talking about inane things and cutting each other down. God, call us to unity and blessing. Call us to repent because we desperately need to repent so father we just give this to you today we're, we're going to take some time this morning I wasn't planning to do this we'll sing a closing song and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite us in a moment to stand and this is not an admittance that you are participating or have participated in gossip in any way but I want us to repent as a When Jeremiah repented on behalf of Israel, he went and repented before God. And you may need to stand in the gap and repent on behalf of others or yourself, whatever it is. We're going to open the altar and I'm going to call you right now to come because we're going to take time to repent and ask for his forgiveness. Let's stand together. This is mine. Jesus, I to question to question time, theater not 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 to time, theater not time,